Welcome back to episode 5 of Funded. Today, we will begin a close look at a slightly less rural school in Vermont for Jen's elementary school. Are you, is he ready? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, wait, yeah. he's not ready. I don't know if it's the Bluetooth connection. <laughs> the Virgen's Elementary School was quiet on my Wednesday afternoon visit in mid-January. Classrooms were filled with kids working on Chromebooks. Principal Matt Deploy chats with students in the halls, asking them if they are going to the game that night. He meets with a student in the library to check out their new remote control car. The atmosphere is friendly, and Principal Deblois seems to know every student by name. Virgen's Falls in the middle of the rural spectrum. It's about 15 minutes away from Middlebury and 30 minutes away from Burlington. However, when I talk about the Virgen's Elementary School, unlike other schools, this is a district school, meaning it has all of the students from the neighboring four towns that make up the district funneled into one K-6 school. The school is made up of students from Virgens, Panton, Waltham, and recently Addison. Uh, my name is Matt Deblois. Um, I am a principal currently at Virgens Union Elementary School. Um, I've been in education in the state of Vermont for 22 years in the public school system. Principal Deblois said he would consider the area to be pretty rural. I think it's masked a little bit by the city of Virgins itself, uh, but the, the students who attend and go to this district live in largely uh, rural areas, and there's a very small amount of what you could consider, or what I consider suburban, or even what some people would probably call urban area, which is just right here. And how would you describe the poverty level of the community? I'd say like the poverty level is really, um, hard to pin down, I think. You know, we have uh, in some places in Addison and Panton and in Ferrisburg, which is part of our district, some, you know, multi-million dollar houses. We have like one of the most popular resorts in the in the state here in town or in, in the district. Uh, but we also have like the only family homeless shelter in the district and a lot of Section 8 housing. And, and so um, it's hard to pin down. There are definitely um, some needs that are unmet uh, in, in this region. There are currently 283 kids at the Virgin School. This may seem like a high number, but let's remember that it's 283 kids across four towns. Principal Deblois said that about 30 to 40 percent of the kids qualify for free or reduced lunch. However, this is a hard statistic to verify because currently every student receives free meals due to COVID-19 relief funding which de-incentivized families from filling out the paperwork that qualifies their child. I found this was a common theme across all the schools I talked to. Many schools want families who qualify to fill out the appropriate paperwork because it helps the school receive more grant money. Filling out free and reduced lunch paperwork has actually resulted in significant funding benefits for the Virgin School. So we're actually beneficiaries of a couple of um, grants that are um, through the Agency of Education but actually stem from federal programs. So we have a 21C program, which is a 21st century grant, which is after school and summer. So that is a pretty big grant that we got a couple of years ago. That's a five-year grant that provides for a lot of the after school 
uh, enrichment programming and summer programming. We just were awarded this year one of five community schools grants um, to reestablish a few different things and to bring to, to really plug some holes that we've that I've seen that we've seen, such as like a mentoring program, um, shoring up our like gardening across the district. Um, to bring more adult uh, education opportunities into the school um, and to, and to uh, increase adult uh, ownership and knowledge of uh, current literacy initiatives. Um, so those are some of the things that we're trying to do now. Besides free and reduced percentages, the school was able to apply for the 21C grant based on high levels of underperformance on state reporting systems. This shows that an increased level of poverty also equals a higher level of need for a school, yet it often takes someone advocating and applying for grants to get those needs met. Principal Deploy also pointed out the way their rurality has an everyday impact on student learning. I mean, we live in an interesting geographical place in, in Virgins in that like the people who live in the southern part of our district uh, gravitate toward like Middlebury and um, the people who live in the northern part of the district n navigate toward Burlington, and then there's some opportunities here in Virginia. So, like, when when it's interesting with COVID, because people have a lot of communication with primary care providers, but our primary care provider network starts in Burlington and goes down to Brandon. So we lose a lot of student learning time when kids leave to go to like the dentist, when they go to leave to get a checkup, when they go, you know, or or when we can't immediately consult with those kinds of folks. Just as the literature states, transportation takes longer in rural areas and has a direct impact on not only a student, but the whole classroom. Time seems to be lacking for many schools as they try to fit in as much as they can in students' days. If there was one thing I heard over and over again was how busy principals and teachers are, especially during the past year, as many of them were tasked with teaching in-person, remote, and keeping up with contact tracing. For a lot of teachers, their only available time to talk with me was on their morning commute to work. My name is Samara Bissonette. I am a fourth grade classroom teacher. Um, I teach all subjects. As you can hear, I talked to Samira at 7 a.m. as she drove in her car on her daily hour commute. This is Samira's first year teaching as a classroom teacher in Virgins. She grew up in Vermont and attended Champlain Valley Union High School in Hinesburg, also known as CVU. She said she can see the differences between Chittenden County schools and more rural schools outside of the county. I would say like Williston and CVU, like that district is probably, I mean, it's known as being a more well-off district in Vermont, I would say. Um, and then I worked in the Essex district for a few years, which is another district that's like I, I think of that district and most beginning teachers like look at that district as being like that's where they want to be if they're teaching in Vermont anyways is what I've kind of generally heard um but I was I was excited to be a part of this district now that I'm in because of like what I heard um but I guess in being in Vermont, it's much different than being like in urban school as well. So <laughs> there's not very many options compared to other states. <laughs> as someone who grew up outside of Chittenden County, I can agree with this. Vermont often says that the great thing about Burlington is that it's so close to Vermont. As in, Burlington and Chittenden County can drastically vary from the rest of the state. 
The county is much wealthier and has more students. The towns have greater populations and access to public systems. To put it plainly, they are more urban. I made a point not to focus my research on schools in Chittenden County. I felt like they varied too much, and I wanted to compare small schools on a similar scale. I asked Samira if she felt like this school had adequate funding to support all student needs. It's a close-knit community, too, so like even if the funding wasn't there, I feel like um, we work together to like support what the students need. Um, from as far as I know, I feel like I have the funding I need to support the students in the classroom sense. Um, but and there is stuff that's sent home, like whether it be food or clothing and things like that to support students who like need those essentials at home and can't um, receive them. So as far as I know, I feel like um, we're doing all we can and are, are funded to do so to support those students. Do you think that there is any difference in access to resources based off of your like geographical location and your level of rurality? Like for example, if you were teaching at a school in Chinon County, do you think it would be different in terms of providing those resources to your students? Um, I think, I mean, there probably is some difference. Um, I'm not totally sure of like the financial aspect of it. Um, I do know like Um, when I was teaching in a different district, like all the students had their own Chromebooks and stuff. And I know my students do this year, like accessing stuff online and stuff. But I think that is a more recent addition when each student gets like their own Chromebook in the classroom to explore online resources. Um, So I think that it it probably is a little bit different in access. It might be a little bit more challenging, but thus far I've been able to get everything I need to support my students. I asked Samira to talk about teaching during COVID-19 this year, as some kids still learn remotely when quarantining as needed. I feel like some students were able to probably access remote learning um, and learning from home and getting on Zoom calls and all of that, but then that leaves those students who don't have access to that at a disadvantage. So um, I'm just thinking of like access to internet because that's how we did everything for so long. and. I think also just thinking about Zoom calls in general, like asking students to have their cameras on when they might not want to share like their home lives or like what their house looks like or they might be embarrassed or things like that. I just think about that with like um, students having like their cameras on and stuff and we ask them to have them on to see that they're there, but they might, you know, everyone's home life is different. So I'm just thinking about that. Um, I know I had some students in remote learning that did better um, on remote learning, like they had more one-on-one attention, there wasn't as many distractions for them. But I think that comes from also a place maybe of privilege too, because they could have a quiet space at home and they didn't have like a sibling, like they didn't have to take care of a sibling and things like that. So I think definitely probably like some inequities came out and I think now um I think we've been started to think about too like what's essential and what we're teaching instead of just doing all of this like extra fluff like what do students need to know in order to succeed so I I feel like I've noticed that in schools as well kind of like fine-tuning that um in that aspect like what are what's essential and what do students need to succeed um so I've seen some change out, like some positive change out of that as well. Um, 
I'm hoping we don't have to go back remote ever again because I just feel like sometimes a school is like the safest place for some of these students to be and they can have a warm environment where they can have food and like a safe place too so um yeah I think definitely COVID has like um brought up some inequities but it's also brought about some change as well um and how we do things in schools this is another important idea we talk about the school as a space of social community but it also acts as a safe space for many students Teachers like Samir work hard to create that space for students, and often the school is able to provide for those needs. However, just as we heard from other teachers, getting the school board to listen can be hard. I do know that sometimes teachers feel like their voice isn't really being heard all the time, um, and like ideas can be taken in, but like if they're not fully listened to, sometimes teachers feel like their voice wasn't listened to and their opinion wasn't listened to. But I think that um, if they're putting information out there and you want to advocate for something different, then there is an opportunity. Like if I wanted to, I could, I could do so and, or share it with like the principal of the school as well. So. Unlike schools that avoided the process of Act 46 for as long as possible, the Virgins district had actually tried to unify prior to the creation of the policy. We did it a couple of different times, like in the early 2000s, okay. um, for pretty much the same reasons. I mean, less tax incentive reasons. Um, and frankly, like the, the, the legislation was written and rolled out in such a way that was like, go ahead and do this or we'll do it to you. He's right. Eventually, schools don't have much of a choice but to consolidate boards and create a unified district. The biggest change from Act 46 was the closure of the Addison School. So it, it most fundamentally impacted the school by bringing Addison kids and teachers here. Like that's, <laughs> there's no denying that that happened because it's done. Um, in some ways it helped us look at things like bus routes. And I don't, I mean, if you polled all of the Addison parents, they would say like their bus routes are generally, uh, some would say they're longer, some would say they're shorter. I would say that there are both of those things and we've eliminated the bus route. So like. There are definitely, you know, because at, at one point in time, the Panton bus went this way, the Addison bus went this way, and then they turned around and went the opposite ways because that was where the town line is because towns are arbitrary, especially the towns of this part of the state because of, you know, New Hampshire land grants, drawing pictures, you know. Principal Deploy also mentioned that it made other systems more efficient, such as having one master's facility plan and sharing an extracurricular science resource with the neighboring school of Ferrisburg. Principal Deploy was also excited to have more athletic options for students. Prior to the consolidation of Addison kids into the Virgin School, Addison didn't have enough enrollment for the district to justify its spending costs. For parent Erin Reed, her kids experienced this transition firsthand. My name is Erin Reed. Um, I live in the town of Addison, Vermont. Um, my children are um, ages 12 and 10. They are in um, seventh grade at Virgins Union High School and fourth grade at Virgins Union Elementary School. Um, 
from grades K through five, my seventh grader attended um, Addison Central School. Um, and then that school closed um, at the end of 2020. So he spent his sixth grade year at Virginia Union Elementary School. Um, and my daughter as well um, began her third grade year at Virginia Union Elementary School. Would you describe Addison as a rural place? Yeah, I would definitely describe Addison as as a rural place. Um, you know, a lot of farmland, um, a lot of uh, forests. Um, you know, where we live, we don't really have neighbors, um, so it's it's country for sure. It's rural Vermont. Aaron said that despite mixed emotions about the closure, the larger school has been a positive change for her kids' educational experience. For Addison, going through a closure, I would say. You know, it, it got a little bit divided in town. Um, there, of course, was was many folks who didn't want to see our school to close. Um, I didn't necessarily want to see our school to close, but I also, you know, it was it was tough um, being kind of the the smallest school in the district. Um, we didn't have as many resources given to us as the other schools. Um, for instance, you know, I think we had. A school nurse one or two days a week and um, a guidance counselor one or two days a week. Whereas now, you know, at Virgen's Union Elementary, my kids have, um, you know, more access or access to more things like um, specials that they, you know, PE and, and things like that. Um, there's a nurse on, on staff every day. Um, and I would just say open to, um, more diversity. There's, there's more kids. So there's, there's different personalities. There's kids from different backgrounds. Um, so, yeah. What did the school in Addison mean for the town of Addison? What, what type of um, community did it invoke? Yeah, I think, you know, it was kind of a, a central meeting place um, for folks, um, especially for for my husband's family, um, the school, you know, my children were the third generation to go to the school. My husband went to the school and, and his father went to the school. So there was a lot of sentimental value um, in the Addison Central School. Um, for the community, I think they saw it as a gathering place. You know, I think town meeting was held there. Um, different events were held there when there were school concerts and, you know, being a rural town, there's not a lot of opportunity to gather. Um, so the school was, you know, kind of the main, um, gathering place when there were events. Um, so it, you know, it did, it, it meant a lot to, to folks that grew up here and, and whose children went to school here. You know, it, it was sad. It was also um, the same year that the pandemic hit. So there was uh, emotions on top of emotions because of that. But, um, you know, it, 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 I would say we weren't fully surprised. It was kind of a long time coming. My, as I said, my son's in seventh grade now. And, and when he was in kindergarten, kind of the talks and the rumors of Addison Central School closing had, um, you know, certainly been put on the radar and, and probably were talks, you know, long before he started school. Um, so, you know, even though we, we sort of expected it, it certainly, certainly was sad. Um, but we also saw it as an opportunity, um, you know, going to, to a different school or a bigger school, um, 
was going to was going to give our kids more opportunity. For Erin Reed and her family, the closure of Addison meant the closure of a family legacy, a loss of connection to her neighbors, and a transition in a year that was already filled with so much change. But for their family, it was worth it. They finally had access to the things they were missing at their small school. Entering a larger system meant they could finally receive larger rewards and educational outcomes. Mm-hmm.